As much as I miss my mom, my mom's death allowed my life to begin. Hi, listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everyone left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with bereavement professionals. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Janet Cristofero, and produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. Today's guest is Heat Smith. Hey, Heat. Hi. Heat is a uh, another friend of mine. I'm on a tear of just having friends come on to the podcast, so thanks for being part of it today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. And I'm. what are we going to talk about today? Should we talk about your mom? I think we should talk about my mom. Tell us a little bit about her. Um, her name was Janice Marie Goolsby, and her married name was Blake, and everybody called her Jan. And unfortunately, she has passed. So she's been dead now. It'll be 18 years on May 6th. So we're coming up really, because we're recording today on April 20th. Yeah. We're right on the verge of the anniversary. 18 years? Yeah, 18 years. And how old were you when she died? I was 25 when she died. So like barely an adult. Barely an adult. And how'd your mom die again? She had a combination of cancers, but it was brain cancer that killed her. And, you know, my brother and I debate about how old she was when she was diagnosed. And we're still <laughs> unclear of exactly when she was diagnosed. But we believe she was 43 or 44. But she was diagnosed with adrenal cancer. And that moved into her lungs. And then that developed into her brain. The last time we went to oncology... She had really eight sizable tumors in her brain. It was very shocking to see on the scans and then talk through, hey, how's the rest of your life going to be? And how long did she live after that final appointment? Hmm, Holy smokes. Let's see. She probably for a month or two after that. Mm. And since you were 25 when she actually died, how old were you when she first got diagnosed? Again, you know, we're not sure when exactly she was. There was, I should step back and say there was also some secrecy. She was trying to protect my brother and I of um, her actually having cancer. So it's hard to know exactly when. Yeah, there was, it's hard to know. Like she had radiation to her brain. Long before she said, hey, kids, I've got brain cancer. It, it didn't work. Mm. But then she had to tell us, like, gee whiz, guys, um, had radiation to my brain as a preventative measure. And then turned out she actually truly had brain cancer, which is unfortunate. I, I don't think she knew how to communicate that with us. Mm-hmm. And I know she definitely did not have the tools in her toolbox to appropriately manage what she was going through and then also articulate that, especially to my brother and I. And so once you found out that your mom did have cancer, you stepped into a caregiving role. Yeah, I did. Um, So I should say that my mom was a nurse 
and a darn good one. She um, worked in various nursing roles in the small town that she lived in, and she knew all of the hospice nurses. You know, she was very, very much a fiery woman, and she didn't want anyone that she knew seeing her deteriorate and looking like crap. So she said, no hospice, but you'll take care of me, won't you, Heather? So it was heat hospice. It was heat hospice. Um, So I was living on my own at the time, and my dog and I packed up the old van and moved back in with mom, which was really an odd experience in itself. It was 24-7, around-the-clock care. For For a few months, she did really well. She was mobile, and and she could move about the house. But it was that last week. She died on a Saturday, May 6th. And Friday, Thursday, she couldn't move at all. And Wednesday, she was up, you know, walking around, mm-hmm. being herself, sassy as all get out. So she was really was, drastic and sudden it was, right at the end. You know, and I, I feel like that was um, very much a blessing because my mom, as fiery as she was, she was very proud of herself and proud as a person. If you could select a death, I think she probably would have selected mm-hmm. the one that she did. In what way? That she went faster than she probably would have anticipated it. Mm-hmm. She didn't have to be hooked up to IVs. I mean, her her death is sad, but moving up to that, working up to her actually passing, I feel like she she probably had one of the less traumatic experiences of deterioration. I don't quite know how to articulate that without sounding cliche or odd, but um, it's a weird thing to try to talk yeah, about. Like, Hey, death. Um, But yeah, so Thursday we had the oncology appointment and she was sitting in her recliner where she always sat and she was so heavy and she was like, oh, I can't, you know, I just, I can't go. Just call them and tell them I'm not coming. And I was determined because I am her daughter, um, just as strong-willed and minded. I said, no, we're going to get you ready. And so I put a chair in the shower, carried my mom into the bathroom, showered her, got her dressed. I don't know how. (laughs) But then I got her out to the front deck, and we had about 30 steps going down into the driveway. And I sat her on the bench, and she just said, I can't. It's not worth it. So I think that's when it was, like, very, very real to me. Like, oh, man, she's going to die on me. That's when it really hit. That's when it hit. You mentioned earlier that your mom didn't really have a lot of tools for how to talk to you and your brother about her diagnosis and treatment. And here you are, 25, caregiving full-time for your mom. I'm guessing you didn't have a lot of tools for that experience at the time Mm -hmm. either. Not at all. What did you do? How did you kind of get through that? Um, My coping mechanism at the time was hanging out with friends, and then I consumed far too much alcohol, unfortunately. I had, you know, owned that now. I can say that now. Um, 
But yeah, I think that was my coping mechanism and that, you know, trying to get breaks, my brother or, or my mom's boyfriend at the time would come and I would get a little bit of a break. And if I had just had a break, I could go to the grocery store. I could go do something normal. So yeah, I don't think I um, coped very well at the time. I also feel like I compartmentalized and packaged things up and tucked them away for later, for me to deal with later, because I was in survival mode. And my mom called me her soldier. She would say, you know, suck it up. She was very, she was a hard, hard woman and very hard on me. And she would say, suck it up, zip up your soldier suit, no emotion, just power through it. So that's what I did. She wasn't at all vague about her expectations. No, she was very, um, you know, think of the highest expectation you could have on someone. And that's, there was a lot of pressure growing up. How, if at all, did your relationship with your mom change during her illness and during this caregiving period? She was nice. She was nice at the end. should say that my mom was very nice to people. She was very kind, but she was really hard on me. She was very hard on me. She was very hard on my brother. And we did our best to manage that. And then she changed. Yeah. So as she was getting closer to death and realizing that, oh man, I'm not going to get out of this. I'm not going to live. I think she had the aha. We were watching... Um, Maury Povich, which is <laughs> not the ideal television show, but it was what was on at the time. Um, and I was massaging her legs because she was having um, edema. Maury Povich was having, you know, awful segment on about parents and not liking their children. And it was really resonating with the three of us. My brother was there with my mom and I. And she just, she looked at me, and I looked up at her because I was seated on the floor, and she said, I, I really love you. Thank you. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad you both are here. And then she just burst into tears. And she apologized for, you know, wrongdoings that she had done. It was a turning point where I was like, oh, my gosh. My mom, mm. she's nice. Like, who knew? Yeah, you'd never seen that in her before. No, she was always so business. Like, she was a perfectionist, so everything had to be, like, so-so. And when you're eight, it's hard to be so-so. It's, you know, but you, you get really good at washing dishes <laughs> when um, all of them are pulled out of the cupboard because there's a speck of, you know, food on the ca- counter or, or a stain on a glass. Oh, boy. That's a, that's a whole other podcast. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> Gosh. I'm curious with this, you know, 18 years later, yeah. this mm-hmm. time that you've had, how, how do you make sense of your mom and how she was and how you are and who you are today? Oh, I feel like now, you know, as an adult in my 40s, approaching the age that she died she died when she was 48 I feel like my mom was just really lonely 
I think she had been dealt a challenging hand and she tried to power through it. In in that powering through and surviving, lashing out at the people that you love the most was a very common thread for her, unfortunately. I mean, we lived in a very small community and it's wasn't really spoke about, you know, feelings. Who talked about feelings? Definitely not in Indiana, I don't not think. Not in Indiana. No. Actually, not I in mean, Connecticut they, where I'm from either. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe they talk about them now. Gosh, I hope they do. I hope everybody talks about their feelings. It's so important. I don't think she knew how. Or maybe she never allowed herself because maybe she had a, you know, tough upbringing too and she wasn't allowed that space. I, You know, I'm not certain. And that's the sad thing is I don't know my mom. I don't get to ask questions of reflection or what was it like? How would you do this? I would do anything to pick up the phone and call her. Hey, I'm making this chocolate chip cookie recipe. Would you add walnuts? I mean, the silliest things like that. I mean, it would just be really powerful now. Yeah. You can only speculate. And speaking of doing things that your mom did or may have had some input, yeah. you just became a parent. I'm a parent. Four months, four and a half months ago. Yeah. He'll be, uh, he'll be five months, May 2nd. So, yeah. So what is it like then to be a grieving daughter who's now a parent? It's interesting. <laughs> I always wanted to be a, a parent when I was younger. So it's it's interesting being a parent now with um, my son. So I'm married. So we're a good team. But having a child that not only is yours, but you're responsible for, it's it's a whole new game. I get that your heart grows more and you have more love. I just wish I could, um, I wish my mom were here. Yeah. 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 Brings up some tears. It does. Because she would be such a good grandmother. What kind of grandmother do you imagine she would be? Fun. Spoil. Get down on the ground and be rowdy. (laughs) She was a funny lady. I mean, I talked about her being harsh and intense, but she was very um, playful at times. Mm -hmm. So I think she would be that person. I like to think that, you know, she's watching over us now. When I see my son look up and coo at nothing, I'm like, oh, there's Jan. (laughs) (laughs) She's hanging out today. She's probably saying, oh, my God, add a add a layer, take off a layer. <laughs> She'd have some opinions. Why does he have that outfit on? <laughs> um, I think she would be a good grandmother. I do wish she were here. Um, I talk to her every day. I put things out into the world that I need or mm. want. You put it on the Jan list? I put it on the Jan list. Yeah. My spouse's parents are coming up to visit next week. And then my father and his wife are coming the following week. And boy, wouldn't it be nice if my mom could come. Mm -hmm. 
someone's not there in the lineup. Yeah. It's like, you know, she would like to see Multnomah Falls. She would like to go for a hike. She would like to go stand on the top of Mount Hood and just shout into the wind. She would like that. What are some of the emotions around that? Is it sadness, anger? You know, I don't... I think I've moved past the anger. I think I was really angry after she died because I was left with everything. And I felt like I wasn't prepared. Like, how do you, how do you prepare for your parent dying? I don't know. Um, definitely didn't have that manual or textbook at 25. It's just sadness. I have a lot of sadness. And my sadness stems from what couldn't be, what could have happened, where we could have gone physically and in our relationship. Because my mom and I, wow, did we buck heads. I can only imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She was feisty. But, you know, I feel like as adults, we'd get along. As adults, I feel like she could see all of those projections that she was, you know, statements that she was projecting on me and see all of the assumptions that she made weren't true. She could just see that I was a really good kid that loved her a whole lot that respected her and feared her, honestly. I was very fearful of my mom. (laughs) So some sadness that your mom didn't live long enough to be in that period of time in life when, as we become adults, we get to do repair and growth with the people who have raised us. Yeah. There's no repair work for us. There's not even any closure. I feel like with her death, it was just this, the book kind of closed but then you have like this crevice in the book where it's like unfinished lots of unresolved things lots of questions especially now that I am a parent it's like wow what happened when I was x yeah like what was I like what was I like as a baby I mean I was adorable (laughs) obviously obviously (laughs) I mean hello You said you talk to your mom every day. What are the other ways that you've carried her with you into your life and memorialized her? Every death anniversary, I celebrate her in some way. Could be a hike, could be sitting alone. It's always alone during at the moment she died. I'm always very calm and centered at the time of her death on the death anniversary. The milestone ones, the 10-year, I went to Maui, and I stood on Haleakala, the volcano, and I just had a moment with my mom um, just to celebrate her. Are there other uh, days throughout the year that have that sort of gravity for you? Um, Her birthday, she was born in September at the end of September, so, and she wasn't she didn't have a lot of things that she really, really liked, but I always try to do something fun on her birthday. Get a cupcake, 
you know, eat some ice cream combination, put those together, you know, something silly. So he, we've been talking a lot about, you know, how your mom was as a mom and how who she was in the world and her death has really informed and influenced who you want to be and how you want to be. Not so much the rosy side of grief, but maybe some of the, I don't know, positive contributions that this experience has had in your world. And, and I'm curious if we could talk a little bit about maybe some of the more not so talked about darker sides of grief. And one of those topics is, is money and how money plays out when somebody dies. And, yeah. and just, yeah, how did that go in your world? Well, it was not fun. Um, my mom was very organized. And she was, again, the person that took charge. So she had organized her funeral services and whatnot. She had picked out her casket. She had paid for everything up front. So really, she had no debt for my brother and I to deal with. So our inheritance was not huge, but it was a good chunk of change for um, two 20-somethings to be receiving. Nothing negative came from that between my brother and I. I mean, we definitely split things up. He got the fancy, you know, sexy sports car, cherry red, and I got the house and things to deal with. But family members, there were a uh, couple of family members, unfortunately, that wanted things and just were like pecking birds asking me about money, money that my mom had allegedly um, stated that she was going to give them, even though it wasn't written out in the will, and my mom had never articulated that to me or my brother. So dealing with that wasn't wasn't pleasant. I definitely had to get stern. I was setting boundaries, didn't realize that those were called boundaries at the time. <laughs> Again, wasn't good talking about feelings then. But yeah, and then my uh, my mom's boyfriend at that time, his expectations were he received money. That was not fun because he was a, uh, very much bigger than me physically. So I was very fearful that something negative would happen, which it did not. But but such an added layer of an added layer challenge when you're just you're 25 and you're grieving your mom and now you're having to navigate people wanting things from you and being intimidated by people who might want things from you yeah it was pretty intense to navigate during that time and telling people no and then you know after someone dies you have to send their death certificate everywhere to inform that they've died and that's painful like driving it to the bank and standing there grieving crying openly and the teller's looking at you like can I help you yeah <laughs> do you want to open up a checking account no I, d I don't yeah all those just everyday interactions become so charged and so challenging mm -hmm. in ways that I think you know we just can't even imagine until it's actually happening and then, you know, dealing with possessions after someone passes. Everybody handles that differently. I probably was on the uh, extreme. Maybe that's how I coped, too, with my mom's death. Extreme keeping or extreme giving away? Giving. Goodwill received all of my mom's possessions. I had a van at the time, and so I just kept 
taking van loads down there. And they kept saying, are you sure you don't want a receipt? (laughs) No, thank you. I don't want any evidence of this. No, no evidence. And then I came back to the house and my dogs and my cats were there. And then I realized I had two recliners and a mattress on the floor. And then that was it. What do you think sparked that urge to just clean everything out? I didn't want to see it. I think it was really painful. Too many reminders. Yeah, too many reminders. And I mentioned that she sat in the recliner. She died sitting in the recliner. So no one was allowed to sit in the recliner after she died. It was one of those things where it was like, but my mom sat there. My mom died there. And watching someone die was really intense. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad I was there. I wouldn't change anything of my life, especially that moment. To be there as she took her last breath. Yeah, I mean, I've always said, you know, my mom brought me into this world beautifully. And I wanted to see her out just as beautiful. Really proud that I was able to be there for her. I'm happy my brother was there. It was really, really hard on us. Being filled with emotion on that moment or in that moment on that day was an understatement. Yeah, you mentioned the volcano in Maui that you went to stand on on the anniversary of her death, and I'm just imagining a volcano of emotions. Yeah. I feel like, too, when when I was dealing with taking care of my mom and not managing my emotions then, I definitely was the volcano. I think I just held everything in and I wasn't breathing. Uh, Probably a big thing I should mention is one of the saving graces that I had during that time was I was going to massage therapy school I never missed a class, so that was how I coped and got out of the house, too. It was two two or three days a week the classes were. But on Wednesdays, it was yoga in the morning and meditation. And that really saved me. And once my mom was very, very ill, you know, we're in the terminal phase of cancer, We'd been there for a while. Um, My classmates and my instructors were very loving to me. And they just gave me Wednesday morning as like my therapy session. And I would go in and talk. And we did yoga and meditated. And I cannot say thank you enough to those people. They were just such a blessing yeah they made space for you and in a container yeah all those emotions for me just being able to be loved and also be in that level of sadness but also feel safe was a huge turning point well and such an important distinction right like people come and they have their sadness and we're certainly not going to take away that sadness we're not going to fix it but if we are there with love and presence, then they can 
face and navigate and engage with their sadness in their own way. You know, Heat, I'm curious as we get towards the end of our conversation with your mom's 18th death anniversary coming up in just a couple of weeks and being a parent and all the things that you have going on, like what's something you might find yourself saying to your mom in those daily conversations? That's like a message to Jan today. Message to Jan. I think the big one is just look how far I've come. Look how awesome my life is. I am so blessed. Every day I wake up, I look over at my son's crib. I look at my partner. And I'm happy. My life is so good. I have an awesome friend group, which you're a part of, Jana. And I have, you know, everything going for me. I love my career. Yeah. I think my mom would be very, very proud of me. Proud of my brother, too. So I think what I would say to my mom, 18th year, death anniversary, is thank you. Every day I'm thankful. I would like to thank your mom, too, for you. <laughs> oh, thanks, Jan. <laughs> oh, Jan. And he, thank you for coming and being a guest on the show today and talking with me and sharing about your mom. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And listeners, thanks for tuning in today. If you are new to Grief Out Loud, you can find past episodes on our website, dougy.org or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, any of those platforms you might use to get your podcast. And you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram at the Dougie Center. So you can follow us there. And thanks for listening. Hope you'll join us again next time. Thanks for listening.